Okay, everybody, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. Team meeting. Flashback to about 36 hours ago when I felt like my whole world was coming down in terms of doing this. I thought, there's no way I've immediately become this bad, but oh my god, I've lost it. I'm doing terribly. I can't even get the games right straight up. And then, seems like everybody was having some trouble last week. Last week was kind of the bizarro week. Feels like it's been a couple years since we've had a week like that. So now I think we can all just take a step back, breathe deep, and understand that bizarro weeks happen. It's okay. Vegas feasted last week. Now it's time to get them back. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by my incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week 12 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2020 NFL regular season and postseason, and the less said about week 11, the better. So we're going to lightning fly through this thing, uh, 4 and 10 straight up, because oh my god. Oh my God, what a weird, crazy, insane week last week was. Now, luckily, if you're an American, you get to celebrate something this week. You get to celebrate Thanksgiving and a preemptive happy Thanksgiving to my American friends. And obviously, all most of my listeners are Americans. So please, be safe. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Thanksgiving responsibly with your family. But, you know, again, please be safe. All of this stuff is real. Please be safe. But you get something to celebrate this week, at least on the tail end of what was a crummy week 11. So 4 and 10 straight up, only 3 and 11 against the spread. Almost broke even on the totals, went 6 and 8, so I was at least kind of close on that one. Uh, the against the spread and over under numbers obviously are bad, uh, real, real bad. Against the spread, I was close to breaking even on the season, but I mean, losing 8 being a minus eight in the same week, it just makes things terrible. At least I did hit my 100th straight up win on the season, which is a nice buffer considering I got another five weeks left to continue to do damage. At the very least, three of my four straight up correct picks were in my platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. So that's good. I got the platinum, gold, and silver ones straight up. I also got the silver pick correct against the spread, telling you to take Pittsburgh, laying 10 points. And I did get the total correct in my gold pick, which was over 47 points in the Chargers and the Jets. Things were kind of rough in the Bridgewater's Finest and Ante and Co. straight up pick'em pools, obviously as a result of sucking that badly last week. I've fallen to 16th place out of 38 in the Bridgewater's Finest pool, 875 out of 1,263 confidence points. I've fallen below that 70% threshold, now at 69.3, only bringing in 46 of 105 points last week. But shout out to the week 11 winner, Da Genius. Da Genius went 10 and 4 last week. How? Closed his eyes, threw darts at a dartboard. Had to be. But 
it's worth celebrating because that's a good week to go double digits. 10 and 4, 71 of 105 confidence points, 67.6%. I'm also going to shout out more than a Thielen, who also had 71 out of 105 confidence points, but they went 9 and 5. Uh, COC is the new overall leader in the Bridgewater's finest pool, 105, 55, and 1, 911 out of 1,263 confidence points, 72.1%, came back towards the field a little bit, this thing obviously far from over. The Ante and Co. pool, I'm going to tie for 16th, only bringing in four of the 14 games, obviously correct, last week. More than a Thielen and Josh Allen's Accuracy School might be the best name I've ever heard. They tied for the Week 11 win, bringing in nine of the 14 games correctly, 64.3%. And West Coast Martin continues to lead the way in the Ante and Co. pool, 108 correct straight-up picks in the 161 games so far this year. That's a 67.1% clip. Martin continues to lead the way. The lone bright spot of week 11 comes in Fantasy Corner, now of course presented by the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Make sure you hit up my referral link, which is in the description below. The Dynasty Trade Calculator, as far as I'm concerned, the number one resource for Keeper and Dynasty Fantasy Football. It does not matter what the format of your league is. Super Flex, Half PPR, Full PPR, Running Back Points Per Carry, Tight end premium, Devi League, Startup League, it does not matter what your format is. The Dynasty Trade Calculator's got you covered. My league's got individual defensive players. The Dynasty Trade Calculator has me covered. Hit that referral link that's in my description below. Plans beginning as low as $3 for access to the number one Dynasty and Keeper football resource on the internet. In Fantasy Corner, I went not one, not two, not three, not four, and not five, but six and oh across my six fantasy football teams in week 11. Booyah, baby. As a matter of fact, in the Professionals Dynasty League, which once again, I credit the Dynasty Trade Calculator for helping me immensely in my startup draft. Of course, I won this league in its inaugural season. I picked up the win over Gavin, and I have now moved to 10-1, and one, and just like that, locked up first place in the Professionals Dynasty League. I'm guaranteed to finish the season in the top spot. I also managed to keep my very slim playoff hopes alive in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League, picking up the win over Bridge Over Troubled Water, which was Billy B. Once again, Billy, thank you for the incredible team name. I really appreciate it. I picked up the win over Billy. I've moved to five and six in that league. Again, I'm the defending champion in this league. I would hate to miss the playoffs, but it's starting to feel like, I mean, 100% I have to win next week, and then we'll see where we're at, but it definitely feels like I have to win out these last two weeks if I want a shot to make it. I have week 12 matchups coming up against Fresh Prince of Elaire in the Professionals Dynasty League and Gracie Manor Ghouls in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League. It's a projected win in the Professionals, a projected loss in the Progs League, so I really got work to do if I want to make the playoffs in the Progs League. And I'll take this opportunity now, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast of choice, you can find 
all of my results from last week, if you actually want to look at them, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 12 in the NFL, you're going to find information on joining both the Bridgewater's Finest and Anti and Co. Straight up pick em pools for 2020. Remember, if you win a week, bingo bango, you get yourself shouted out on this show. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. Not only can you find information about the aforementioned Dynasty Trade Calculator and my affiliation with them, but you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. This morning, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sipping a very warm cup of lemon ginger tea to try to make my throat feel a little bit better. Obviously, a lot of talking when you got to do shows like this. And look... Nerd Tees, I've been talking about them for at least two years now, if not three. You should know them by now, but in case you don't or if you're a new viewer, nerdtees.ca, hit my promo code BWFINEST. You're going to save 15% at checkout with that promo code. You're going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over $100, and you get a great conversion rate right now on the US dollar. As I mentioned, today's blend is lemon ginger, so very soothing on the throat. Dozens and dozens and dozens of great, great tea blends that you can get off of nerdtees.ca. Promo code is BWFINEST. Save your money, get your free shipping, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtees.ca. So, for the remainder of this episode, you are almost certainly going to hear some combination of the freezer behind me, and I can thank the town of Bridgewater for deciding that late November is just the perfect time for yet another construction project directly in front of my house, so you'll hear all kinds of bells and whistles and sirens and everything going off in the background. It's like it's a party. It's going to be a party compared to last week. Like I said, Vegas feasted on us last week and we're going to get him back in week 12 nobody on a buy this week a full 16 game slate so we will waste no time we will get right to the games and we're going to start with the trio of thursday games for thanksgiving beginning with the detroit lions at home taking on the houston texans Neither one of these teams have too much to show for this season, having only won a combined 7 of 20 games overall. Detroit sitting in the basement of the NFC North. Houston would be in the basement of the AFC South were it not for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, at least Houston did get on the happy side of things last week, picking up just their second win in their last five games. Detroit, losing last week, have also only won two of their last five. Houston has failed to beat an NFC opponent in two attempts so far this season. At the very least, Detroit does have a win over an AFC opponent, but have really struggled in their own building this year, only winning one of four games at home. Injury news for the Texans as well. Randall Cobb in the receiving core, he injured his toe and per Ian Rappaport, looks to be set to miss some games. He could see an stint on injured reserve. It's entirely possible at this point. I don't think he's been on injured reserve yet this year, which means he would be eligible to return in, what would that be, week 16, I guess? He would miss 12, no, week 15. He'd miss 12, 13, and 14 at minimum, so he would be able to return this season. I mean, it's not not like Houston's really pushing for a playoff spot, but you'd think, especially with a receiver like Cobb, who's a little bit older, they you know want to be careful with him. 
Texans are the road favorites here, laying minus two and a half points against the spread. Just a little look ahead. I'm actually going to take the Texans to win this game outright. I think the Texans are the better football team. And I'm, it's not just recency bias. It's not just the fact that Detroit just got shut out. Like get Detroit getting shut out, even though I took them to win that game, I believe, uh, doesn't exactly shock me. It's not like Detroit's a good football team. And there's not enough people talking about the season that Deshaun Watson is having. Like Deshaun Watson, despite not being on a great football team and despite losing what a top three wide receiver in football, Deshaun Watson's having himself a heck of a season, an underrated season that again, not enough people are talking about. I'm going to lean on the better quarterback Matt Stafford's still dealing with that injury. I underestimated how much that injury was going to impact him. Man, the Lions, one of only two teams to get shut out this season. I'm going to go with Houston. Let's take the Texans on the road in Detroit to beat the Lions. And we're going to lay that two and a half points against the spread on Houston as well. Detroit as a home underdog this year, which is what they are in this game, have failed to cover against the spread in both attempts. They're 0-2, and their margin of victory in those games is minus 13. So not only are they losing, they're getting their faces blown off. And I think they may not get their faces blown off here, but I definitely think they're going to lose the game. So we're going to lay those 2.5 points, the small price to pay, on the road Texans. On the line, the total is 51 and a half points. I only got this game in the high 40s personally, and I think it's a coin flip, but I think if any of the Thursday games, if any of the Thanksgiving games are going to go over, it would be this one because of Deshaun Watson and because of the ability in general of the Detroit Lions to score points. I'm going to take the over in this one. It might be a bad move. I do think this is a coin flip total, but we're going to go over 51 and a half points in Houston, Detroit. Let's go Texans 28, Lions 24. Our second Thanksgiving Day matchup sees a matchup of the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team in Dallas. Now, again, I faded the NFC East all of their games last week and I think it only worked out that I was like one and two straight up so I mean look if you needed any other microcosm that last week was a bizarro week the NFC East went two for three last week everybody in the NFC East sitting on three wins so far this season Eagles have the inside track because they had a tie And that's just how bad this division really is. Washington won last week. Dallas won last week. I didn't expect either one of those things to happen. Uh, It took Dallas, you know, having to play a team like Minnesota, who you can't, I guess, really trust much further than you can throw them. And it took Washington finishing the season of Joe Burrow, which is obviously awful and terrible and just in general sucks for the game of football. Combined, these two teams have only won three of their last 10 games, but at least the Washington football team does have two wins inside this division. Even though Washington has yet to win a game on the road this year, I'm taking Washington in Dallas. And I tweeted this earlier this morning. I don't understand where this newfound confidence in the Dallas Cowboys comes from. Beating a team like Minnesota, I don't think really is much of a statement for Dallas. I mean, look, it's important to Dallas because that was only their third win of the year. So on that level, I get it. But now the general trust 
in the Dallas Cowboys and the fact that Andy Dalton is coming back. It just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't I don't know at what point we got to a place where we're like, the Dallas Cowboys should be a favorite over almost anybody. Dallas is favored by three points in this game. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Everyone has been underrating this Washington defense pretty well all season long. Obviously, I'm taking those three points on Washington. I think they're going to win the game outright. But the Cowboys, as a favorite this year, have not covered against the spread. They're 0-5 as a favorite this year. I don't think this team has turned a corner just because Minnesota gave that game away last week. So we're taking Washington and we're taking the points with Washington plus three. Total in the game set at 46 points. This is a pretty darn good number. Like the above number, I thought maybe it could stand to be a couple points lower. This is a pretty darn good number. And again, It's like every other total for these Thursday games. It's an absolute coin flip. I'm going to lean on Washington's defense to win this game for them. We're going to stick under a middling number of 46 points in Washington, Dallas. Let's go Washington 24, Dallas 20. And the Thursday finale, which should be more of a marquee game than I think it's going to wind up being, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, of course, Baltimore announcing yesterday that both Mark Ingram as well as J.K. Dobbins tested positive for COVID. They will not be playing in this game. I guess that means the running back duties fall to Gus Edwards, and I would expect to see a ton of Lamar Jackson in this game. It's gonna. It's this game's gonna be on Lamar's shoulders. No question about it. Of course, divisional matchup in the AFC North. Pittsburgh Steelers just kept on rolling last week. They picked up a big win. Baltimore has lost back-to-back games. Now sit at six and four and are looking up at the Cleveland Browns in the division. That can't feel good. Ravens are 4-1 on the road this season and have won two of their three division games, but especially considering how the running back room is kind of decimated right now and with the, the foreboding thought that, well, if the running backs tested positive, who were they close with? Who else might test positive before game time? Is there the possibility that they could even move this game off of the Thursday schedule? I think that would suck because, again, Thanksgiving tra- tradition, you want those three games on Thanksgiving Thursday. You never know. That may happen. That may not happen. But I, I can't take the Ravens in this spot against an undefeated division rival that knows them incredibly well. I understand that these are always really good football games, but conditions are what conditions are. Got to take the Pittsburgh Steelers here. Let's take Pittsburgh to beat Baltimore. On the line, despite the running back issue, the Steelers are still only favored by four points here at home, and the Steelers are 8-2 and two against the spread. Look, there's been no money to be made whatsoever betting against the Steelers on the money line. There's been very little money to be made betting against the Steelers on the spread. So we're going to lay those four points for Pittsburgh, take the Steelers minus four. Total in the game set at 45 points. I've only got this game at a high 30. Once again, it's another coin flip. And luckily, that's the last time you'll hear me say that in terms of the totals. But I'm going to stay under on this one as well because I don't know what I'm going to get from the Ravens offensively. I haven't known what I'm going to get from the Ravens offensively for the last month. Maybe more than that. This I, I don't know what this team... 
is offensively. I know they're a great running football team, but beyond that, I, I don't know the kind of results really that I'm going to get from Baltimore. So we're going to stay under 45 points in Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Let's go Steelers 23, Ravens 16. Let's go to Atlanta now in a game that I think the defenses are going to stay at home for the Atlanta Falcons playing host to the Las Vegas Raiders. Falcons won their only game earlier this season against an AFC opponent, but sit at 3-7 and seven in the basement of the NFC South. Meanwhile, the Raiders, they're making noise in the AFC, despite the fact that they did lose last week, and at the very least, they might have lost, but we got to see Derek Carr do his best Undertaker impression, which was absolutely incredible. They did lose, but look, they're 6-4, and four. they've won three of their last five games, they've won two of three games against NFC opponents, so far this season, the Raiders are for real, and I have to give them more credit than what I gave them early in the season. Raiders have also been road warriors so far this season. Four wins outside of their own building. They're under 500 at home in their brand new building, which kind of sucks, but kind of sounds like it's peak Raiders. The building doesn't suck. It sucks that they're under 500. But four wins in five road games. The Raiders know how to get this thing done away from home, and Atlanta hasn't really done much to speak of at home, only winning one of five games in Atlanta. Look, the Raiders are a team that even if I have a good defense, they're not a team I want to see on the other side of me because I know how good they are on the offensive side. I know that they can put up points. As a matter of fact, 29 points a game over their last four games, three straight of at least 31. But that defense has been playing much better lately as well. Now, yes, they did give up 35 points last week. I understand that was a revenge game against the defending Super Bowl champions. So, like, you understand it. But look, they're only giving up 20 points a game over the last month. Like, that defense, statistically, has been playing about as well as the Rams defensively, the Browns defensively, this team, this defense has been playing statistically very well over the last month. And if they can put the defense together with how good we know that offense is, this should be a walk for them. I'm going to take the Raiders on the road in Atlanta to beat the Falcons, despite the fact that I've been relatively pleased with the Falcons defensively over the last month. On the line, the Raiders are laying three points as road favorites. Now, the Raiders are 7-3 and three against the spread so far this season. They're also 2-0 and oh as a favorite on the road. So we're going to lay those three points, Raiders minus three. Total in the game set at 55.5 points. I've got this game at a low 60. The Raiders are 7-2-1 and one to the over so far this year. So I'm not going to think about this too, too hard. Go over the largest number of the week, 55.5 points in Vegas, Atlanta. Let's go Raiders 34, Falcons 28. Let's go to Buffalo now in what is sure to be another high-scoring affair. The Buffalo Bills fresh off of their bye week taking on the LA Chargers. Bills lost two weeks ago heading into their bye week. The Chargers picking up their third win of the season last week in a game that should not have been as close as it was, but that's just peak Chargers this year. Bills are still leading the way with a one-game edge in the AFC East at 7-3 and three over the 6-4 and four Dolphins. Dolphins had an opportunity to match that mark last week, could not get the job done, I think, in Denver against the Broncos. Buffalo's had a good season. I would like to see their defense be playing better. Like it, it's it it's bothersome, it's troublesome that this defense has given up as much as it's given up. Like, I mean, 
obviously you're in a division with the Jets. The Jets are going to be the worst defense in the division, but it shouldn't be so close. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Shouldn't be so close with an 0-10 football team in the Jets. If you're 7-3, and you'd hope your defense would be playing a little bit better than that. The Chargers offensively, I think Justin Herbert, especially now that Joe Burrow has suffered that season-ending injury, I think Justin Herbert's got the inside track to Offensive Rookie of the Year. And he's been playing great for the Chargers, and he's led the Chargers to not maybe not the greatest record at 3-7, and seven, but this is definitely a team that can put up some points. The Chargers, it's worth noting, are 3-1 and one against AFC opponents not in their own division. Chargers, however, will go into this game without one of their pass rushers. Defensive end Yuchenna Nwosu, I believe is how you pronounce it. He sprained the AC joint in his shoulder. He's likely to miss multiple weeks. That does definitely hurt a team that wants to try to keep Josh Allen contained. And Josh Allen, we know what Josh Allen can do with his arm. We know what Josh Allen can do with his feet. So that injury could loom large over the Chargers here. In general, I do think the Bills are the better football team. And I think the fact that they're playing at home and the fact that they're well-rested, I do think the Bills pick up the win here. They're fairly big favorites on the line at five and a half points. I think I got to hedge my bets against the spread. I am going to take Buffalo to win the game straight up. Buffalo beats the Chargers. I am going to take the Chargers plus five and a half against the spread. And it's not necessarily an indictment on the Buffalo Bills, but that's just a couple too many points for me for two offenses that are more than capable of scoring in garbage time and defenses that are more than capable of allowing garbage time points. The Chargers are as an underdog this year, are above 500 against the spread. They're 3-2, and two, so I'm going to take those points. Chargers plus 5.5. Who knows, they could win this thing outright. Total in the game set at 54 points. This is my easiest over of the week. Not only do I have this game in the low 60s, but combined, these two teams are 14-5-1 to the over this year. Over 54 points in Chargers Bills. Let's go Bills 31, Chargers 30. Imagine what happens last second field goal. Let's go to Minnesota now where the Vikings, fresh off of an embarrassing loss to the Dallas Cowboys, are going to be at home playing host to the Carolina Panthers. Panthers picked up that big 20 to nothing shutout, the aforementioned shutout of the Detroit Lions last week. That was a game I did not have Carolina winning. Now, obviously, they were able to take advantage on the defensive side of the ball of the fact that, you know, Matt Stafford was dealing with an injury and look, I, the... The Lions are a depleted football team, but they still got the job done. Carolina did without Christian McCaffrey and without Teddy Bridgewater. P.J. Walker, XFL standout, comes in, plays a fairly decent game. I think he did throw an interception, but it played a fairly decent game, and it was enough for the Panthers to pick up the win, just their fourth win of the year. Meanwhile, the Vikings, were it not for the Detroit Lions, would be in the basement of the NFC North, a full three games behind division-leading Green Bay. The offense has been pretty good. The defense has been atrocious. I mean, them and the Lions, they're just like, they're right there in terms of whose defense is worse. Uh, now, Minnesota, despite that loss, they have won three of their last five games overall. I just, I have very little confidence in the Minnesota Vikings right now outside of their own division. They have not beaten an NFC opponent outside of their own division so far this year. And I think that trend continues this week. I'm taking the Carolina Panthers 
in an upset, Carolina goes into Minnesota, hangs another loss on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Carolina beats Minnesota. On the line, like I said, it is an upset. The Panthers are four and a half point dogs in Minnesota. I like them to win outright, so I'm taking the points. The Panthers, as road underdogs this year, are four and one against the spread. This is worth taking a look at as a hedge, kind of like I did in the previous game with the Chargers and the Bills. We're taking Carolina plus four and a half. Total in the game set at 50, sorry, 48 and a half points. I was looking at the wrong number. I've got this getting into the low 50s, and it is worth pointing out the Vikings are 7-3 and three to the over this year. I think they're also 4-0 and oh, or 4-1 and one at home to the over this year, something like that. I like the game to go over by a couple of points, so let's go over 48 and a half points in Carolina, Minnesota. Let's go Panthers 27, Vikings 24. Halfway home here before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks, we're going to go to New England now where the Patriots are going to play host to an Arizona Cardinals team on the tail end of back-to-back road games, but with the benefit of the long week having played on Thursday last week. Despite the loss last week, the Cardinals certainly not dead-dead in the NFC West, only trailing the division-leading Rams and Seahawks by a single game. They're at 7-3. and three. Arizona's at 6-4. and four. They're still right in this thing. They're over 500 against NFC opponents. They're 3-2 and two in their last five. The cards are right there. The defense has played well. The offense has played well. Might just need a little bit more on both ends. Meanwhile, for Belichick and the Patriots, they're at 4-6 and six on the season, and if they're going to make a run... It's got to start now. I'm not willing to say that they're dead dead in the playoff race in the AFC because right now the playoff, like the wild card teams are at six wins and the Patriots are at four. So they're two games back with, you know, five weeks left. Sorry, six weeks left. So I'm not willing to say they're dead dead yet, but like the streak has to start now. And certainly the loss last week doesn't help. And the fact that they've only won two of their last five games doesn't help either. It's been a difficult run for them winning games on the road. They're only one and four. They also have not beaten an NFC opponent yet this year. So they do get the benefit here, the Patriots do, of playing at home. Cards have been scoring a ton of points lately, 30 points a game over their last four, but they've been giving up a ton of points too. 32 on average per game over their last four, and they have not given up fewer than 28 points in any single game over that span. I'm a little more willing to lean on the team that's been slightly more consistent on the defensive side of the ball and that's been the New England Patriots like they're giving up 24 points a game over the last month which is not great exactly but it's not exactly terrible either they've given up 27 points a couple of times only given up 17 and 24 in the other two games the offense we know leaves something to be desired but I think if either defense is going to step up and win this game it's going to be the Patriots defense at home I'm going to take New England in what is an upset here. And can you imagine having said this even as little as a year ago? The Patriots are home underdogs to the Arizona Cardinals by two and a half points. I'm taking the Patriots to win the game outright. New England upsets Arizona. So obviously I'm taking that plus 2.5 on the line. 
Total in the game here is set at exactly 50 points, and I'm going to be going against what I originally capped this game at. I capped it in the mid-50s, which would have pushed it to the over, but these two teams have only hit 7 of 20 overs so far this season. I'm going to lean more on that trend and stay under 50 points in New England, Arizona. If I think the defense is going to win the game, then let's make the defense win the game. Let's go Patriots 26 Cardinals 23. Let's go to New York now for a divisional game of the AFC East. Jets playing host to the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. Jets dealing with a fairly significant injury on their offensive line. As we mentioned earlier in the show, Dolphins losing that game last week, a game that I didn't think they should have lost, a game in Denver. I think it was 20-13 to to the Broncos. That's only Miami's first loss in their last, like, whatever it was, five games, six games, something like that. The Dolphins were on a real hot streak there and have put themselves firmly in the AFC playoff conversation. A team that is definitely not there is the New York Jets. Like I mentioned, Jets dealing with an injury on their offensive line. It's right tackle George Fant. He has multiple sprains in the same leg. He sprained his ankle and sprained his knee, which is, that has to feel all kinds of extra horrible. He's likely to miss at least this week, obviously. I would assume he's probably going to miss more than that. May even see a stint on injured reserve, as if, you know, as if I wasn't going to take Miami anyway. Definitely going to take Miami if the uh, Jets' offensive line is compromised. And look, LaMichael Perrine is dealing with an injury as well. The Jets are just beat up right now. This is a get back, uh, a get right game, if you want to call it that, for the Miami Dolphins. We're definitely going to take Miami here on the road in New York to beat the Jets. On the line, the Dolphins are favored by a full touchdown, seven points, as the road favorite in New York. Now, this is a matchup of the Dolphins, who are seven and three against the spread, versus the Jets, who are three and seven against the spread. All but one of those games for the Jets comes as an underdog. As a dog, the Jets are still only three and six against the spread. We're going to lay the seven points on Miami here. A full touchdown is not unrealistic given how they've been playing lately. Let's go Miami minus seven. Total in the game set at 44.5 points. I've only got this game in the low to mid 30s, so we're going to stick under on this one. Let's go under 44.5 points in Miami, New York. Let's go Dolphins 23, Jets 14. Let's go to Jacksonville now where the Jags continue to suck out loud and they're going to play host to a team that used to suck out loud but really hasn't this season. That's the Cleveland Browns. Now look, is it unfair of me to say Jacksonville sucks out loud when they got beat by a team that's undefeated by 24 points? No, but that doesn't make it wrong. All you need to know about the Jacksonville Jaguars as a football team, and that's not necessarily even the players, it's more so the organization and the coaching. All you need to know comes in a very specific sequence that happened in that game last week where the Jags were fourth and one. They decided they were going to punt. They took a delay of game, which makes them fourth and sixth. Then they send the offense back out as if now they weren't going to go for it on fourth and one, but now they're definitely going for it on fourth and six in their own territory. They send the offense back out then they pull the offense back off the field and send the punt team back out. This is what happens when someone is an owner or co-owner or making decisions for a team 
and they kind of know what it's supposed to look like, but really don't have any idea what they're doing. And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars in a nutshell. If you're a Jags fan, A, I don't know why you're still listening to this show because I've been railing on them for years. But look, I'm sorry. This team is garbage. Good players. Some good players. Don't get me wrong. They've done great with uh, James Robinson, their running back. They've done great with DJ Chark. Keelan Cole has been one of the best wide receivers in the league for the last month. They've got good individual players, certain individual players. As an organization, the Jags suck out loud. Couple of injuries here to note for both teams. On Jacksonville's side, it's on the defensive line. Defensive end Josh Allen suffering a knee injury. He might go to IR. He will certainly miss multiple weeks. They're also going to be missing starting guard Andrew Norwell. He injured his arm. He will not play in this game. Now, Cleveland will be without safety Ronnie Harrison, or could be, I should say, without safety Ronnie Harrison. He's got a bone bruise in his knee. He's listed as day-to-day. He could play, but as of right now, his status is very much uncertain. If I'm Cleveland, I'd just sit him. I don't think you need Ronnie Harrison to win this football game. I really don't. Look, the Browns' defense is not very good. If they were playing an offense that had any idea what it was doing, maybe you might be a little bit concerned. But the Browns have won back-to-back games. Uh, They have Nick Chubb back. That combo of Chubb and Kareem Hunt are just deadly. Even when Hunt, in particular, isn't getting the yardage, he found the end zone again last week. This Browns team is just going to be too much versus not enough. The Jags don't have the defense to stop this offense. Cleveland wins in Jacksonville. On the line, the Jags are six and a half point dogs at home. And originally I did hedge on this game. I thought, man, six and a half points is a lot to lay on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I'm just worried about that. But then again, when I went and looked at the injury situation and realized that the two injuries from last week uh, are both not going to play. If you take any pieces away from this Jags team and they're not at their 100% optimal lineup, I don't think they cover this number. Their margin of victory in their games at home this year, Jacksonville's, is minus 11. Cleveland's going to win this game and they're going to cover the spread. Cleveland, I'm laying the six and a half points. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. I've only got this at a mid 40. I don't know what I'm going to get from Jacksonville on the offensive side of the ball. The quarterback can do some things. They've got a couple of good receivers. I just think Cleveland's going to be too much here for that. We're going to stick under on this total. Under 48.5 points in Cleveland-Jacksonville. I've got the Browns 27 and the Jags 17. Let's go to Los Angeles now where the Rams, fresh off of a big 27-24 win over Tampa Bay, Brady, and the Bucks last night on Monday Night Football. They're now going to play host to a San Francisco 49ers squad coming into the game off their bye. This is a battle of best versus worst in the NFC West. And I say worst with uh, with air quotation marks. Yeah, the Niners are only four and six, but this is not a bad football team. Genuinely, it's not. They've been absolutely ravaged by injuries, ravaged by COVID. Look, three weeks ago, this team was four and three. And they were, you know, kind of right there through seven weeks. They've lost three games in a row. And yeah, they've, they've dealt with a lot <laughs> this team has this year. Is not a bad football team to me. The Rams are a very good football team. They're a good football team on the offensive side. They're a very good team, arguably one of the best defensive teams in football, with a firm belief that this division is going to stay in doubt 
until right down to the wire this year, I'm taking the San Francisco 49ers to upset the Los Angeles Rams. Now that sounds crazy, considering the Rams are 4-0 at home. Three of San Francisco's four wins have come on the road. They've been a very good road team this year. I think this team is too good to lose four games in a row. I think the Rams at 7-3 or the Rams at 7-4 doesn't make a giant amount of difference. Everybody is still going to be in this thing, in this division. I genuinely call it a gut feeling if you want. I really like the 49ers here. This would be the big upset of the week. Division game, weird stuff happens in this division. I like the Niners on the road in Los Angeles to beat the Rams on the short week. On the line, the Rams are favored by six and a half points and deserve to be so. But obviously I like the Niners to win outright, so I'm more than happy to take those six and a half points. Total in the game set at 46 and a half. I've got this right around this number, like a low to mid 40. I think it stays under. The Rams are three and seven to the over this year. I think the Niners are middling their 500 somewhere. So I think we're going to stick under on this one. Under 46 and a half points in Los Angeles, San Francisco. Let's go Niners 23, Rams 20. Niners in the upset. Speaking of Tom Brady and the Bucks, that's where we go next. We go to Tampa Bay, where the Bucks on the short week, coming off the loss to the Rams, have to play host to Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. They're on the tail end of back-to-back road games. Despite the loss last week, the Bucks have still won three of their last five games, but they've seen themselves get passed in the NFC North by a New Orleans Saints team that has reeled off seven straight wins, so they now sit looking up at the 8-2 and two Saints at 7-4. and four. Meanwhile, I mean, the Chiefs just keep being the Chiefs. They've reeled off five straight wins. They're three games clear in the AFC West of the Vegas Raiders. They are 4-1 and one in their own building. They are unbeaten on the road at 5-0. and oh. This is just, this team just is what it is, and what it is is spectacular, offensively and defensively. I'm a little worried about the Bucs on the defensive side of the ball. They've now allowed 28 points a game over the last month and allowed no fewer than 23 in that span. Of course, they allowed 38 points a few weeks ago in that big blowout 38-3 loss that they had. Look, sometimes their offense can score themselves out of trouble, as evidenced a couple weeks ago when they put up, I think, 46 points. But they obviously they couldn't do it last night. And the defense, like I say, just hasn't been playing at a level where I think they would be able to step to a Chiefs team that scored at least 33 points a game and is averaging 37 over the last month. And not only that, yeah, their defense has been a little sloppy the last couple of weeks, but over the past month, they're only giving up 22 points a game. This, to my mind, is still a good defense, and we saw some troubling things from Tom Brady specifically last night. None of this leads me to believe that even in Tampa, the Bucs are going to step to a Chiefs team that is not yet lost on the road this year. Let's take Kansas City on the road in Tampa Bay to beat the Bucs. On the line, the Bucs are three-point dogs at home. I actually even expected this number maybe to be a little bit higher than this, but if you can still get it at Chiefs minus three... I would say grab it at Chiefs minus three. Yes, they didn't cover last week, but it was a much bigger number against the division opponent. The Chiefs as road favorites 
have a margin of victory in their games so far this year of 10.8 points, more than enough to cover minus three. Let's lay the three points on Kansas City. Total in the game set at 53 points. Now, originally I capped this as an under and a strong under because I only capped it in the mid 40s. But both of these teams are plus money to the over this year on average. So whatever overs they're getting, they're both plus to those totals. And when you think about how many points the Chiefs are scoring, the fact that they're still plus to the over on the season, yes, this is a 50. It's not a high 50. I think this thing leans over. So let's go over 53 points in Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Let's go Chiefs 30, Bucks 24. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 12 is the Green Bay Packers playing host to the Chicago Bears in a battle of the NFC North. The Bears are in the midst of a big, big, big time skid. Losers of four straight games, only won one of their last five, obviously. They've gone from five and one and really contending in this division to five and five and barely in the conversation, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to an NFC playoff spot. The Bears have to figure things out, have to turn things around uh, immediately, like yesterday. Meanwhile, the Packers lost a game in Indianapolis last week after two separate leads of 14 points, which I would have to really dive back into the stats book to see how often that's happened in the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay. Now, that loss did highlight the things that we know are not functioning properly about this Packers team. It also highlights the things that are functioning properly, which is basically the offense at almost all times. Say what you want about the Packers, but they're one of three NFC teams and only four teams league-wide that have scored 300 points this season. The Packers can score points. The problem is the defense sometimes is pretty bad. And look, all due respect to the Indianapolis Colts, they won that game. They forced the turnovers. They put themselves in a position to just chip their way back, chip their way back, chip their way back. Game goes to overtime. Rodrigo Blankenship kicks the dagger for the Colts to win the game. Full respect to Indianapolis. That's a really good football team. That was a team that I kind of had circled on the proverbial calendar that this is going to be a good game. And it lived up to that, except for the fact that Green Bay was sloppy. Really sloppy on the offensive side. Now, for the second week in a row, they're playing a defense that is capable of causing that sloppiness against their offense. I would hope that Matt LaFleur is being a drill sergeant in practice this week. I would hope that Aaron Rodgers is being a drill sergeant in practice this week, saying that will no longer be acceptable or you're sitting on the bench that cannot happen and I'm not just directing this towards MVS I'm directing it towards the entire team they muffed a, either a kick return or a punt return whatever it happened to be that was one of the turnovers I believe Aaron himself threw an interception an incredible incredible interception by the Colts Rocky Yassin great play but the team was sloppy on the offensive side. If they do that again, they could lose this game, a game they are heavily, heavily favored in. 
However, I don't think the Bears have the same kind of offensive upside that the Colts do to even if they cause some of those mistakes to fully take advantage of them. So I'm definitely taking the Packers to win this game. It should be a get right game for them. I think the Bears defense is good enough to keep this game close. Like right now, the Packers are eight and a half point favorites at home. And I understand why they're eight and a half point favorites. I'm taking the Packers to win the game. It is worth noting, again, Chicago's better rested off their bye. Green Bay may also go into this game without their starting center, Corey Lindsley, and that was what caused the final turnover that ultimately ended the game on that Blankenship field goal was a bad snap from a replacement center. Corey Lindsley injured his back. It's considered to be a minor injury. His status, however, is uncertain, and he does have a history of back injuries. So it's possible he doesn't play in this game. And if he doesn't play in the game, that obviously is another chip in Chicago's corner. I like Green Bay to win, but I am hedging my bets and taking Chicago plus eight and a half against the spread. The Bears are above 500 as road underdogs this year at 3-2, and two, so it's a division game. I just think it stays closer than that. We're going to take those 8.5 points. Total in the game set at 45. I think this is a pretty darn good number. The Bears are only 3-7 and seven to the over so far this year. However, the Packers are plus 5.7 to the total on average this year. I think it's going to slide over a middling number. Let's go over 45 points in Chicago Green Bay. Let's go Packers 27, Bears 21. All right, here we go, folks. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 12 in the NFL. We're looking to do better than we did last week. Heaven help us. The bronze pick, which is 9-2 straight up, only 8-13-1 on the betting picks, sees the Cincinnati Bengals at home taking on the New York Giants. I feel bad picking on the Bengals in this spot where they literally just lost their franchise quarterback for the season, and apparently their backup is not very good, but it's also the fact that the Giants are coming off the bye. Increasingly, I'm starting to feel alone on an island when I say that I think the Giants are the best team in the NFC East. I genuinely do. And that's after losing Saquon Barkley. Look, the offense is not great, but I would put the defense right up there with Washington's in terms of the best defense in the division. And they're the only team in this division that's won three division games. They're coming off of back-to-back wins, heading into the bye. They've won three of their last five games. I think the Giants are more for real than people are giving them credit for. And certainly going into a game where they're going to be playing a Cincinnati Bengals team that just lost Joe Burrow. He's done for the year. Catastrophic, catastrophic injury. Torn ACL, torn MCL, other structural damage in the knee. Obviously, he's done for the year. He may even miss a couple of games heading into the start of next season. So, you know, T's and P's, prayers up for Joe Burrow. Hopefully, the rehab goes very well. Rehab sucks, but hopefully it goes well for him. Look, I just don't think the Bengals have the mental fortitude to recover from the fact that the player that was kind of giving their team an identity, a swagger, Joe Burrow, that's a huge loss. And from a cultural perspective and from a, a, from a team morale perspective, you can't overstate what losing that guy, what kind of an impact that's going to have on the team. I don't think they recover from it, at least not right away. Let's take the giants on the road in Cincinnati. Giants beat the Bengals. 
On the line, Giants are laying five and a half points as a road favorite here in Cincinnati, which seems crazy, and I am laying the points. The Giants are 7-3 and three against the spread. All but one of those games has been as an underdog. Like, the Giants have really surprised people as underdogs this year. They're 0-1 the only time they've been a favorite against the spread this year. But look, I'm, I'm just, I'm picking on the Bengals here because I have to see what that team's going to look like without Joe Burrow. And without Joe Burrow, I think Cincinnati could potentially be the worst team in the league. So we're going to lay the 5.5 points on the Giants. Total in the game set at 42.5 points. This is a good number. The Giants are only 3-7 and seven to the over this year, but that number's just too low for me to stay under on it. I just can't stomach it. So we're going to go over 42.5 points in New York, Cincinnati. Giants straight up. We're going to hammer the Giants minus 5.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 42.5 points. That is the bronze pick. Giants 27, Bengals 17. My silver pick where I am 10 and 1 straight up and 10, 10 and 2 on the betting picks this year sees the Philadelphia Eagles playing host to the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle comes in on the long week. Philly comes in potentially down once again their best offensive lineman. Seattle got back on the happy side of things on Thursday night, just their second win in their last five games. They sit at 7-3. and three. They're tied with the Rams atop the NFC West. Obviously, this offense is incredible with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Uh, we get closer to Chris Carson coming back every single week. The defense is horrible. They're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. There is no question about that. And the Seahawks are under 500 away from home. They're only two and three in somebody else's building this year. Going back to that old mantra of the Seahawks being a team that historically doesn't travel well. But given all of that, they're taking on an Eagles team that's lost two straight games and three of their last five. They are leading the NFC East, but only because they had a tie early in the season. The defense has not played well as a whole this season, although lately it's been playing better. The Eagles are 500 football team in their own building at 2-2-1. But I think where the real difference in this game is, aside from the fact that Seattle's offense is just absolutely undeniable, they will certainly make the Eagles offense look better than it has looked, but it's the offensive side of the ball. We Carson Wentz, Wow. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. Eagles backers, I don't know if this is going to work. And I know you don't know either whether this is going to work. And man, Carson Wentz has played some of his worst football of his whole career lately. And when that division is still this close and still anybody's game, it's the wrong time to be playing that kind of football. But I'm also looking at the fact here that the Seahawks have not lost to an NFC opponent outside of their own division this year. They're 3-0 and in those games. I like the Seahawks here, and I like the Seahawks fairly big, especially where Lane Johnson may not play once again this week, back on an injury report, injuring. It's a neck-shoulder injury somewhere. He didn't return to the game last week. His status is uncertain. If he doesn't play, I think the Seahawks' defense will look about as good as it's looked all season long. Let's take the Seahawks in Philadelphia to beat the Eagles. On the line, Seattle's laying five points as a road favorite, kind of like the Giants in the earlier game. Like, eh, 
that number looks a little looks a little off to me. I feel like it should be at least a little bit closer than this, maybe minus four, like we saw earlier with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. But Philly's only three and seven against the spread this season. I don't think that's going to change. I'm going to lay the five points on the vastly superior offense, take Seattle minus five. Total in the game set at 51 points. I've got this number at a mid 50. Both of these teams, like uh, Green Bay, like we looked at with Kansas City and Tampa Bay, are plus points to the over this season. Let's go over 51 points in Seattle, Philadelphia. Seahawks straight up, we're going to hammer the Seahawks minus five against the spread in a game that goes over 51 points. That is the silver pick. Seahawks 32, Eagles 22. As the paving crew vibrates incessantly just to my left, let's move on to the gold pick where I'm 8-3 straight up, only 8-14 on the betting picks. Let's turn that around with a game that I increasingly feel like I'm on an island over, but I feel very strongly about. The Indianapolis Colts playing host to the Tennessee Titans, who are not only on the tail end of back-to-back road games, but are also dealing with an injury on the defensive side of the ball. Battle for supremacy here in the AFC South. The winner of this game will have the inside track to winning the division. Both teams currently sitting at 7-3. and three. Both of these teams have wins inside the division. Both teams won last week. Colts, as a matter of fact, have won back-to-back games and four of their last five to get right back into things. As I mentioned, the Titans dealing with an injury on the defensive side and his linebacker, Jayon Brown, he injured his elbow, which reportedly is, was both dislocated and fractured. That was reported by Ian Rapoport. He would likely miss the rest of the season if this report winds up being accurate. So that is definitely a hit to their linebacker core and to a defense in Tennessee that you can't exactly say the defense is the strength of the football team. Titans have played very well on the road this season, winning three of their four games, but you did see just how much they struggled with a Baltimore Ravens team that, you know, their record is what it is or was what it was at the time, but you can't exactly call the Ravens a model of consistency. I would call the Indianapolis Colts a very disciplined and consistent football team, and we saw that in the game against Green Bay. At no point did the Colts panic. At no point did they say, well, you know what, Aaron Rodgers is just moving up and down the field here and, you know, we're just we're just trying to hang on. Like, no, at no point in that game did Indianapolis stop trying to win the football game. And they made the plays on defense that they needed to do to put the offense in position to get back in that game multiple times down multiple scores. Not only did they do it, they went to overtime, they won the game. I would put the Colts up there with almost anybody in the NFL right now in terms of how they've been playing over the last month or so of the season. Maybe not with the Chiefs, but other than that, I mean, look, this team has been playing very well. They're averaging 30 points a game over the last month. They had one little hiccup there a couple of weeks back, and the defense playing very well as well, only giving up 23 points a game. You could say it was a little hiccup last week, but I mean, it's against Aaron Rodgers. Now, the reason that I say that I'm kind of on an island here is most people seem to be looking at this as like the prime upset pick of the week. There are so many people on the Tennessee Titans in this game. Titans are four-point dogs on the road in Indianapolis. 
I just don't see it. I genuinely think Indianapolis wins this game in a walk. I'm on the Colts for my gold pick. I like Indianapolis at home to really take it to the Tennessee Titans. On the line, like I mentioned, Indy's laying four points as a home favorite. It's their second straight home game. They haven't had to travel. I really, really like the Colts to lay the minus four here. As a favorite, the Colts are 6-3 and three against the spread on the season. So two out of every three, that ain't bad. It's only four points. I'm going to lay them against Tennessee. Total in the game set at 51. Now, I only capped this game in like the low 40s, which is going against the trend that the two teams are combined 13-6-1 to the total to the over so far this season. But... Look, this number is a 50. It's not a 40. And where I capped it so much differently, like it's 10 points different. I'm going to lean under on this one. I could be wrong on it, but I'm feeling an under, feeling a great defensive performance once again from the Colts. We're going to go under 51 points in Indianapolis, Tennessee. Colts straight up. We're going to hammer the Colts minus four against the spread in a game that goes under 51 points. That is the gold pick. Colts 27, Titans 14, and the platinum pick where I'm 7 and 4 straight up, only 5 and 17 on the betting picks, sees the Denver Broncos at home taking on the New Orleans Saints. As I mentioned earlier, Saints enter this game as one of the hottest teams in football. Winners of seven straight games to take themselves from a 1 and 2 start to all of a sudden 8 and 2 and leading the NFC South. New Orleans has been playing incredible football, and when you look at the game last week, everybody was kind of doubting because of the Drew Brees injury. I was very surprised that they chose Taysom Hill. Turns out, who wouldn't you know who won the pony? Sean Payton knows his team pretty darn well. Denver Broncos have to give the Broncos their credit as well. They came up with the win last week, only their second win in their last five and only their fourth win on the season, but they came up with the victory. And look, it was a game I didn't think they were going to win against Miami. Big ups to Denver for picking up the win. Against a team that's under 500 in their own building, which the Denver Broncos are at only two and three, and of course we're one and three uh, entering the game last week, I certainly can't stomach picking against the New Orleans Saints here. So we're definitely going to be on the Saints to win the football game outright. Saints beat the Broncos. However, against the spread, the Saints are laying six points as the road favorite. It is worth pointing out that even though Denver is under 500 at home, against the spread as a home underdog of less than a touchdown, which is what they are right now, they're a dog of six points. As a home dog of under a touchdown, they're 3-1 and one against the spread. And I don't necessarily know, like, look, if the Broncos could do that last week to Tua, they could probably do it again this week to Taysom Hill. I don't think it's going to be enough for them to win the football game, but I do think Denver covers these six points. So we're going to hedge our bets and we're going to go Denver plus six at home against the Saints. Total in the game set at 43 and a half points. I think this is a pretty good number, but the Saints are seven and three to the over so far this year. So we're going to go over 43 and a half points in New Orleans, Denver. Saints straight up, but we're going to hedge our bets and take the Broncos plus six against the spread in a game that goes over 43 and a half points. That is my platinum pick. New Orleans 24, Denver 20.
There you go, folks. Those are your picks for week 12 in the NFL. And it is time now for the patented comment of the week from my worst week of the season. Comment of the week from the week 11 episode. I feel duty bound to give this individual the comment of the week from week 11. It's a name I've never called before. It's Eddie Ortiz. Eddie Ortiz gets the comment of the week from week 11. And it's because you remember last week, my, my Nick Chubb rant about, oh my God, that was incredibly stupid running out of bounds at the one yard line. Well, imagine being in this position. Eddie Ortiz's comment was, you forgot to mention in your Chubb rant that statistically speaking, him scoring still gave the Browns a 99.9% chance of winning. In other words, it wasn't a Todd Gurley situation. You remember a few weeks back, Todd Gurley scored a touchdown when everybody was telling him, get down, get down, don't go into the end zone, get down. So you saw that happen. It was not that situation. He cost me $3,500. I hate Nick Chubb. Oh my God. If I would have been in a situation where I would have lost $3,500 on the fact that Nick Chubb decided to put the spotlight on himself and run the ball out of bounds, I would be scouring the internet for his mailing address. Like I, I would be livid if that shit happened to me. Eddie, I sincerely apologize that that happened to you, but take some consolation in the fact that yours is the comment of the week from the week 11 episode. There you go, folks. The week 12 episode is now in the books. Thank you so much for listening to this full 16-game slate. First time we've had a full 16-game slate since very early in the season. That's it for me, Justin. Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Fueled, as always, by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Fantasy Corner, sponsored by the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Find my promo code and my referral link in the description below. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and we'll see you again for Lucky Lucky week number 13. And in a year like 2020, week 13's got to be lucky, right?